What is up, guys? It is the Blue Bloods here coming at y'all with a week four instant reaction episode. Apologies for being a little bit late. Had some technical issues last night, and that Oregon game lasted till like one o'clock in the morning. But we're here now, so make sure to hit that subscribe button and also like the video right now, man. Helps us out. But we got to start in Raleigh, North Carolina, in which the NC State Wolfpack pull off a huge upset over the number nine Clemson Tigers, 27-21 in double overtime. And all those issues that we have been seeing all year from Clemson finally came to a head this weekend and allowed NC State to pull this upset and really shake up the ACC race. I mean, let the ACC chaos begin. Wake Forest and NC State have honestly looked like the best teams in the ACC currently in Boston College. Pulling out a win over Missouri this weekend also took a huge step forward. That Atlantic division is going to be no joke. The Coastal's wide open with all the struggles those teams have had. It is going to be so interesting to see who could come out of that ACC. And Clemson now has been exposed three straight weeks playing FBS opponents. Georgia showed all their weaknesses. Georgia Tech took advantage of them. And now NC State gets the upset and showed that those issues on the offensive side of the ball are real and that you could wear down this defense, which a lot of injuries happened. Barisi got hurt. Scout, uh, James Skalski got hurt. Those are going to be some players to watch moving forward because without those players, that Clemson team has a lot of have, has a lot of issues and holes on that defensive line at the linebacker spot. So that's something to watch moving forward. But I want to start with NC State and how impressive this performance was. What an outstanding game they had. And I don't think a lot of people tab them as a team who can make an ACC run, but they absolutely step into the driver's seat right now for that division, for that team. Devin Leary was absolutely electric this weekend. I thought he had an outstanding game Saturday night, and I thought he had one of the better performances for an ACC team against the Brent Venables defense that we have seen in a long time. 238 through the air, four passing touchdowns, zero turnovers, and consistently made plays all night to get this win and was really the X factor in overtime getting two big touchdown passes and putting NC State in great positions to win. Now, I also was very surprised NC State was able to run the ball as well as they were. Ricky Person Jr., Zonovan Knight, even though they had some losses and some no games, no gains, and they didn't average a lot of yards per carry, they stuck with their game plan all night. And that's something that you usually don't see when these teams come to play Clemson, they'll get behind early. They'll try a few early runs, and they don't work. And then they put it on their quarterback, and he's scrambling around all night, getting them into third and longs. They were consistently running the ball. The running backs in person and night had 44 combined carries for over 170 yards on the ground. That is that was out that that was so impressive for me because for me i didn't think they were going to be able to run the ball and then putting all the pressure on leary was going to lead the clemson to be able to make some plays but they were consistently able to keep themselves in third and manageable last night and also they were able to run the ball well enough where they were able to dominate the time of possession and that brings me to the stats that define this game on saturday night first off time of possession nc state won the time of possession battle with just by these stats don't even sound real to me 41 minutes and 48 seconds of possession time for nc state to 18 minutes and 12 seconds for clemson clemson barely had the ball for a quarter 
in, in terms of possession time. That wore the Tigers' defense down, put pressure on this, and also put pressure on this offense to score because they didn't know how often they were going to have the ball. And I think that also contributed to some of the injuries we saw for Clemson because they were on the field almost the entire game. And even though they had more depth potentially than these teams, it doesn't matter, man. If your defense is on the field for almost 42 minutes, I don't care what team in the country it is. You don't have enough depth and you don't have enough endurance, anything like that, to withstand that. They, NC State wore this Tigers defense down and absolutely made a statement this weekend. Now, third down efficiency was another big thing. NC State was able to keep themselves in third and manageable, 11 for 21 on third down. While Clemson, two for 11 on third downs, really showed how they were not able to establish drives and keep the chains moving and establish some time of possession, establish some drives down the field. NC State, third and short. Clemson found themselves behind the sticks, forced DJ into uncomfortable situations, and their run game was absolutely atrocious. So even when they found themselves in third and manageable, they couldn't make the place to get those first downs that those two stats tell the whole story of how this game went. And on the Clemson side, I think it's time to really acknowledge how big of a loss Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne were for the Tigers. DJ in this running game has been atrocious every every single time we've seen them against FBS opponents this season. This game, DJ 12 for 26, guys, 111 yards, only averaged four yards per attempt, two touchdowns, an interception, and led the team in rushing with 63 yards. I can't put my finger on what exactly is going on with DJ because I don't know him, but he just looks overwhelmed by the moment in every game. He looks uncomfortable in the pocket. Now, whether it's you know his chemistry with the offensive line, whether he knows the run game isn't there, but also you can look at the wide receivers. Outside of Justin Ross, nobody is a playmaker on the outside. They don't have anyone that can go make plays. In the past, they had T. Higgins. I mean, E.J. Williams was supposed to be the guy, but I, he's banged up. And then you look at you know Amari Rogers headed to the NFL. They lost so many playmakers on the outside that I don't think he trusts his wide receivers right now, and he definitely doesn't trust his offensive line currently. And on top of that, knowing that you don't have a rushing attack really changes your perception of the game if you're DJ. Without Etienne, this run game has been non-existent at times. They ran for two total yards against Georgia. And down the stretch of this game, Clemson could not run the ball, which really hurt them in key moments of this game. Shipley gets hurt. He only gets 36 yards rushing and a touchdown. He averaged three yards to carry. And the only other running back to get a touch was Kobe Pace with five yards and averaged 2.5 yards per carry. Where Where is Lynn J. Dixon, who everyone was, was talking about being the next guy to take over? And I think I also think no one's talking about this. How big is that DeMarcus Bowman transfer looking right now when he headed over to Florida, a five-star running back? Everyone said, oh, Clemson's got the depth. Clemson's got this. It's okay. DeMarcus Bowman would have been a huge X factor to have in that backfield this year. With And the offensive line deserves some of the blame, but the lack of experience and explosion at key at key skill positions has really caused this offense to stall repeatedly. Now, you know, takeaways from this game, I think NC State showed that they're a real ACC threat this weekend and that 
you know, even me and, and the, the media have to stop ignoring the obvious flaws of this Clemson offense because right now they dropped to 25 today in the AP poll. Right now, I don't think you can make an argument outside of recruiting rankings that they're a top 25 team in the country. This Dabo Sweeney has come to a crossroads. Where, what are you going to do with this team? You have major issues across the board. You have injury issues now. How are you going to respond? And what are you going to do on the recruiting trail and the transfer portal to fix it? They don't take transfers, remember? It's time to maybe look at the transfer portal and get you some culture-changing players because this is not it. And Tony Elliott, been a favorite for so many head coaching jobs. Now a lot of people are looking at him being like, okay, how are you going to respond now? They have to figure out this offense, and Clemson has come to a crossroads this season, and how are they going to move on? And can they still get to the ACC championship with all that talent all and in, in all the history that they've had over the past 10 years? This is going to be interesting to watch. Now, moving on here to another top 20 matchup, Notre Dame makes a statement, a 41-13 to win over the Wisconsin Badgers, but – don't let this final score fool you because this was a four-point game with less than 10 minutes left in, the, in, in this matchup, and then all hell broke loose in the fourth quarter for the Badgers. They, in the fourth quarter alone, they had a kickoff return and two interceptions returned for touchdowns to open this game up for the Fighting Irish. It really gave them a huge statement in Chicago this weekend. Now, for the Fighting Irish, Jack Cohen's injury is go is is concerning to me. But Drew Payne led two scoring drives late and looked impressive in his first real game action. He threw a touchdown pass in the fourth quarter and led the team down for a field goal. So let's give Payne some credit as a true freshman looking every bit of the part. But Cohen's injury is something to look out for moving forward. Now, I want to give Notre Dame some credit because say what you want about this team. And this goes for myself, too. They might not be winning the pretty. They may be showing some weaknesses here or there, but they consistently find a way to win week in and week out, and they show that they can do it in a variety of ways. Kyron Williams has shown that he can carry the team on his back in terms of the rushing attack. They showed this weekend they can rely on special teams and defense to win games. Jack Cohen showed in that Florida State game that he can win the game through the air with his four passing touchdowns. Brian Kelly and this team has consistently quieted the doubters week in and week out, and they even have another chance to do so next weekend in a top 10 matchup in South Bend against Cincinnati. And, you know, for Notre Dame, I think we need to start putting some more respect on this defense. Kyle Hamilton, already a star, man. He's already solidified himself, and he keeps doing it week in and week out. Is is arguably the best safety in the country right up there with Jordan Battle at Alabama. But the D-line this week in the front seven did an outstanding job slowing down this Wisconsin rushing attack, held them to 75 yards rushing for only 2.6 yards per carry, and didn't let them find the end zone on the ground. Never would have thought that would happen. They have a lot of new guys in that front seven, and they came to play this weekend. I thought it was an outstanding performance by Marcus Freeman's defense, and they also forced, I believe I believe it was five turnovers this weekend as well. Marcus Freeman coming over from Cincinnati has done an outstanding job with this Notre Dame defense. Now, the Badgers, on the other hand, have a real quarterback issue. Graham Mertz has not been the answer at the quarterback spot for two seasons now, and he's really been the reason this Wisconsin team hasn't competed at the level a lot of fans think they can't compete in. 
he has to do better. He cost them this game, and his mistakes and inconsistencies and inaccuracies have been the difference in many key games. You look at the Northwestern game last year, you look at this game, you look at the Penn State game in week one, he only completed 43% of his passes for 240 in the touchdown, but he threw four interceptions, and two of them were taken back for a touchdown and let this game get out of hand. And then you add that with the lack of a rushing attack that they had, him being inaccurate as well, the Badgers went one for 15 on third downs. That is an atrocious mark and is no formula to win a game like this. And for the Badgers, you have to try to find some offensive consistency because year in and year out, it's a de- it, Jim Leonard puts on an outstanding defense. And you look at this game, and he won even the reason this game got out of hand. You were letting interception returns for touchdowns. You were giving them solid field position, all this. You have to find an offensive identity, and you have to find a quarterback. Wisconsin is probably a quarterback away from being a real Big Ten threat, but Graham Mertz is not getting it done through the air. He consistently turns the ball over, and he consistently underperforms. And all Notre Dame had to do was load the box and stop the rush game. And things got completely out of hand for Wisconsin. Now, overall, I thought this was a huge win for the Fighting Irish. It gives them a ranked win on their resume in a neutral site game in a huge, you know, college game day atmosphere. And they have a lot of momentum now going into that top 10 matchup against Cincinnati this weekend. While on the flip side, Wisconsin has so much work to do. And Mertz's struggles, honestly, have many, including myself, questioning whether the Badgers can really compete for anything of importance in the Big Ten. And that's a real concern for me, especially with how Iowa, Penn State look right now. And also Ohio State, you know, possibly trying to get back on track as well. Right now, I have no confidence. And even Michigan right now, I have no confidence Wisconsin might be the fifth or sixth best team in the in the Big Ten. They got a lot of work to do and this weekend really showed it. Now moving on here to a huge upset and it's I don't know if you call it a huge upset, but it was an upset. I predicted it on our preview man, Arkansas getting the 20 to 10 win over the Aggies in Jerry World this weekend. And listen, I just want to say it's time to put some respect on the Razorbacks' name. This is their second top 15 win, and this time they win their first game against AM since the Aggies joined the SEC, you know, way back in, I believe it was 2012. Now, KJ Jefferson's injury is something to be concerned about because once he went out, that Arkansas team really stalled out. Malik Hornsby is not the answer at quarterback. But if he's healthy, the Razorbacks have to be ecstatic about the trajectory of this program. Sam Pittman, in only one season, has done more with Arkansas than any ever imagined. And for me, I think right now, looking back to that hiring cycle in which over half the SEC got new head coaches that all season, Sam Pittman, for me, was the only, was, was the grand slam. I think he was a better hire than Mike Leach. I think he was a better hire than Eli Drinkowitz. I think he was a better hire than even Lane Kiffin. This, this was a legit hire, and they smashed it out of the park. And I was so impressed with Sam Pittman's team. Now, even – and I want to say this, too. The Razorbacks have to feel good about this team because they won this matchup after not playing their best game of the season. They left a lot of points on the board. They left a lot to be desired, especially after Jefferson went out of the game. This begs the question that if if healthy, 
how good could this Arkansas team really be moving forward? And Jefferson still has some eligibility left. They got some guys who have a lot – they they have a lot of experience, but they also have a lot of guys who probably will still come back next season. So this Arkansas team is only going to get better. Now, you know, a lot of people thought the Razorbacks were going to lead on the run game. But Jefferson, man, took advantage of that. And against this Aggie secondary that was allowing like 70 yards per game through the air, he was throwing it deep and making them pay. 85-yard touchdown pass, 50-yard touchdown pass. Those two plays opened up this game in which the Razorbacks took a 17-0 first-half lead and they never lost it. And count me in. I, I bought my ticket. I am in, I'm in first class on this KJ Jefferson train because this kid can be special, man. He looked every bit of the real deal this weekend before tweaking his knee in the second half. Now, I understand, listen, he was 47% completion percentage for 212, two passing touchdowns and 50 yards rushing. But like I said on my preview, he's never going to be the most efficient passer, guys. He's a playmaker. And he showed this weekend that he can make the plays and lead his teams in the biggest games. Yes, he's not going to give you the Joe Burrow, I'm going to complete 85% of my passes. What he's going to give you is, yes, I won't complete a lot of here and there throws, but I can make the deep ball work, get behind your defense when you load the box up to stop me and the like eight running backs that we have a problem with, um, uh, that you're going to have a problem with on this offense. I thought Traylon Smith did a great job at running back, being consistent and uh, consistently moving the chains for the Razorbacks. But I want to give a huge shout-out and give him his flowers. Traylon Burks, a wide receiver, this kid looks like the real deal. And for me right now, I think he could be a top-five wide receiver going into this next year's draft class. <clears throat> He's going to have to be someone you watch out for going forward. Six catches for 167 yards and a touchdown while averaging over 28 yards per catch this weekend. He plays lights out. He's going to be the number one target for the Razorbacks moving forward. Now, the Aggies should be fine moving forward, but Arkansas got the early lead, and the Aggies got out of their comfort zone because Zach Calzada should not have thrown the ball 36 times in this game, while Isaiah Spiller only got 12 total carries. I understand, man. You have to think that if the Razorbacks, I mean, don't jump out to 17 nothing early, that full, that Spiller wouldn't be the focal point of this offense, but Moving forward, he has to be. Calzada's not that type of quarterback that can put you on his back and carry you through the air because outside of Anaya Smith, the wide receiver stint looks super impressive to me. You know, Spiller, 12 carries, 95 yards, average eight yards per carry and a touchdown. He's got to be the focal point. Now, Calzada does have to take a step forward, though, if the Aggies want to actually be competitive in this SEC championship race. I didn't think he got much help. But I do think the Arkansas defense needs a bit more respect. I thought they played like out. That linebacking core headlined by Henry and Bumper Pool are absolutely real, man. That linebacking unit is legit. Catalan in the secondary is a monster. This Arkansas defense gets overlooked by their offense, and I think they are a legit unit. Calzada, 55% completion, 151 in a pick. I didn't think the O-line did a good job of making him feel comfortable when the game kind of turned. They gave up three sacks, 12 pass rushes, I mean, 12 pressures. And Kenyon Green, man, the guy I gave so much credit in my preview, had a 24.9 pass blocking grade. You've got to do better if you're going to be the leader of this offensive line. And I thought as a whole, they just found themselves relying on the pass a bit too much, and the Razorbacks made them pay. Now, 
know, Razorbacks made their statement this weekend that they are a legit SEC contender, but they have another chance to silence the doubters in Athens against the number two Georgia Bulldogs. A&M, on the other hand, has a tough road ahead as well, but they have some chances to also prove themselves because they still got Alabama on their schedule. They still got Ole Miss, LSU. They got some games we can get now. You know, in terms of uh, this weekend of college football overall, I just want to say it has been an absolute wild season thus far. I don't, I don't think anyone can say, I mean, this is rivalry. This is going to, you know, compared to like the 07 season when we saw like a two-loss team win the title. You look at, you know, the other top 25 upsets and close calls and struggle wins. First off, you know, I won't break these games down too much because, you know, I want to try to keep these episodes manageable. But number four, Oklahoma escapes West Virginia 16 to 13 with a last second field goal. The Sooners have real problems, in my opinion. But you've got to give them credit for winning this game. But the, there were chants about Spencer Rattler having to be benched for Caleb Williams. The chants are getting louder and louder each week. The Sooners are going to have to figure out some offensive consistency. They just can't establish drives as well as I thought they were going to be able to. They have all the talent. Like, when you look on paper, Oklahoma should be damn near unstoppable. But they haven't brought that to the field. I, I give them credit for, you know, get, getting out of the getting out of here with a win. But they got some tough games coming up. Kansas State has had their number for the past two seasons. Texas looks like a new team after Hudson Card uh, I, I, I believe, no, Casey Thompson took over that quarterback spot. And then also TCU looks legit as well. So you have three tough games coming up for the Sooners. You've got to fo- you got to refocus and get through this tough schedule. And you've just got to execute, man. The execution is not there right now for the Sooners, but they do escape 16-13 win. Also, Iowa, number five in the country, they had to come back from a seven-point halftime deficit to beat Colorado State, who got beat by an FCS team in South Dakota State by like 20. Iowa, for me, Iowa is never going to win impressively. I understand that. But you can't struggle with Colorado State and expect to be the number five team in the country. For me, I thought they showed some major issues this weekend. And this is going to be something to look for moving forward is can that offense live up to the hype of trying to make the college football playoff? Because I think their defense is there, guys. Their defense is legit. But that offense has some major issues outside of Goodson. I don't know if there's another playmaker on that offense. And Petrus can only be a playmaker for so, can only be a game manager for so long. He's going to have to make plays down the stretch. So I'm kind of worried about the Hawkeyes moving forward in this season. Excuse me, man. My throat is killing me. But Baylor pulls off the upset against number 14, Iowa State, 31-29 as Iowa State misses their two-point conversion. It's been a story of two teams for the for, for, for the Cyclones, man. They – as great as Brees Hall is, as great as Brock Purdy can be, and as great as a coach as Matt Campbell can be, they're just too inconsistent week in and week out to be a top contender. Last year, in the biggest games, everything went right for them. This year, in these games, everything's just going wrong, and they can't seem to execute in the clutch. It's a big loss for Iowa State. It puts it. It honestly probably puts their Big 12 championship hopes in jeopardy now because they've still got Oklahoma. They've still got Texas. They've still got TCU. 
losing to Baylor really sets them behind the eight ball in terms of what their goals were coming off of last season. Now, I, I got this game right as well. We previewed it. Number 20, Michigan State gets an overtime win over Nebraska. But at the same time, I thought, I think Nebraska, man, you got to look at them and be like, what happens if one or two plays go differently for three of the weeks? They were probably a play or two away from beating Illinois week one or week zero. A play or two away of beating Oklahoma last week. And they were easily probably half a play away from beating Michigan State this week. And this Nebraska team is a team of what ifs. But Michigan State, man, they just keep finding ways to win. Mel Tucker is riding this running game into the ground. I thought I thought they played well all around on offense. I think their defense could have executed a little bit better. The interception at the end of the game was huge for them. But Michigan State, man, they just keep winning. And I got to give them the same credit I gave Notre Dame. They might not always win pretty but they're still winning. And for me, right now, they look like a legit Big Ten contender, and they get a huge overtime win against Nebraska in a primetime game last night on FS1. But two you know, uh, top, top 25 upsets we got to talk about before we get out of here. Georgia Tech upsetting number 21 North Carolina, 45-22. Jeff Collins, give this man his flowers. I'm going to talk to our guy Bryce Kuhn about getting him on here to talk about Georgia Tech this week. But my lord, man, this team, it, this team plays hard. You can say Georgia Tech doesn't have the talent. They don't have this. They don't have that. What Jeff Collin does is takes what he has and he goes out and plays football, man. And they, they play tough. They were, they were like one play away from beating Clemson last week. And everyone said, oh man, is Georgia Tech good? Is Clemson just bad? It was a little bit of both. But Georgia Tech to beat number 21 North Carolina in Mercedes-Benz Stadium was a huge win for Jeff Collins' program. And Georgia Tech, for me, moving forward, has so much young talent because Jeff Collins had to rebuild that program. Everyone's coming back moving forward. This team is going to be scary by the end of the season. And I think this was a one of those games where you're going to look back when Georgia Tech finishes in the top end of the ACC in the next few years, you're going to look back and say that was the game that sparked this turnaround in the Georgia Tech program. Now, the last game, and we'll spend too much time on it, Oklahoma State upsets number 25, Kansas State, 31-20 to in Stillwater. I say that one for last because Kansas State still misses Skylar Thompson, their starting quarterback. But Gundy over there in Oklahoma State is putting together a quietly solid campaign this year, even after losing Chuba Hubbard to the NFL draft. The run game looks pretty strong. Sanders has been a little bit more consistent this year than in previous years. And those Cowboys over there at Oklahoma State are quietly put together a solid Big 12 campaign. We'll see how they fare against some tougher teams later this year, but you can't overlook it because – that Oklahoma State team won that game pretty convincingly, so watch out for them moving down the stretch. You know, down the stretch in this Big Twelve uh, schedule. But guys, final takeaways, man. What a crazy week, man. We had so many upsets, so many great games. I mean, from 11 a.m. to last night in the Oregon game, all the way up until almost 1 a.m. It was electric college football action. Now I'm telling y'all, man, that is why college football is the greatest sport in the country, man. So guys. If you love college football content, hit that subscribe button. Daily college football content right here on the Blue Bloods, other than Saturday. So semi-daily college football content. We'll, we sometimes we'll have some Saturday episodes as well. <coughs> but, man, feel a little bit under the weather. But, guys, hit that subscribe button. Like this video. Also, go to our community page 
on our YouTube channel. Submit your questions Tuesday night, 6 p.m. Central. We're going to have a weekly Blue Bloods mailbag in which you can submit any question about any player, team, matchup, anything like that, and we'll discuss it live right here on the Blue Bloods. So subscribe, like the video, and go comment your question for this Tuesday's mailbag, and we will get to your question on Tuesday night as we go live right here on Blue on the Blue Bloods YouTube channel. But, guys, hope you all had a great weekend. Hope you all have a great week, man. But for right now, the Blue Bloods are out. <laughs>